Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. And this week, we are going, we, I am going to be talking to you guys about Blaze of Memory, which is book seven in the Side Changeling series by Nalini Singh. So yes, we're back with uh, Nalini Singh book. Now, um, I think I've mentioned this in previous episodes. Um, this book is a book that every single time I read it, I sob like, I cry. Like, not like, you know, cute, beautiful tears that you, like, imagine on a TV show, but, like, ugly cry. Like, it's not ugly cry. Like, it's it's not pretty. <laughs> Thank, this is why I'm doing a podcast and not a YouTube channel, so you cannot see my face. Because if I cry during this, you cannot see. You can hear, but you cannot see. Um, so, book seven... At this point, we've learned a lot about this world. Um, and sorry, in case you're like, oh, but what's like a happening this week? So I'm going to try to talk about it very briefly without spoiling. And then I'm going to really sort of dive in. Um, if you have read this book and you didn't like it, and you weren't a fan, I really want to know, um, because I think this might be my fifth or sixth, mm, no, it's probably more, it might be my seventh reread of this book, and every single time, it has been like, bitch, and this time, I really was like, okay, like, let's really, like, let's really focus and try and understand what it is specifically about this book that just feels so emotional to me, right? Obviously, to me, I'm, you know, I'm the one reading. Um, and so I definitely, if you guys have read Blaze of Memory and you're like, meh, meh, could take it, could leave it, I would like to hear your thoughts. Uh, please reach out on Twitter, on Instagram, because I would like to hear your thoughts. For those of you who haven't read the book, you're going to need tissue. And you might read it and be like, girl, I didn't cry at all. Uh, More power to you. More power to you. Yes, yes. Uh, Or like me, you might be like, why is my face sliding off from the force of my tears? Um, In which case, I I mean, I'm not going to apologize. Welcome. Welcome to the wonderful world of this book. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to so briefly, Blaze of Memory, um, our two main characters are Devraj Santos, and she goes by Katya Haas um, for the book, but her name before we meet her in this book was Ekaterina, but circumstances change in this book, and she now goes by a new name. Um, Katya is Sai. Devraj is a member and also um, leader of The Forgotten. If you've read uh, Clay and Talon's book, which is book four, Mind to Possess, that is when we first hear about The Forgotten, which are the people who, the Psy, who were in the Psynet when silence was implemented and 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 chose to drop out because the idea of living without emotion of cutting it out for both them and their children and their children's children was something that they could not fathom. And even though there were many, many compelling reasons for removing emotion, they it felt like to a lot of these people that that wasn't a life worth living anyway. So like, what is the point? So these people drop out. And these are size made size married and in love with other Psy. Size mated to changeling. Psy married to human. Of course, I think for both Psy with changeling and or a human um partner, it would, you know, not being a part of silence would make the most sense because then you would have to your partner isn't a part of this group. And how's that gonna work? What I do think is really interesting is that um, Devraj's great-great-grandmother? 
and father were both sad. Uh, so, uh, these were not two people who were like, well, I'm technically in love with someone who isn't Psy. And so like, I can't give that up. It's like, we are both Psy. Our kids are Psy. But this isn't something that we can, um, that we, this is not a decision. This is not a choice that we can make and live with ourselves after. Uh, so we're now a hundred years later. Obviously these people who chose to drop out didn't just you know also then stop procreating and die immediately no um they kept living and as the council came after them because having an alternate you know an alternative to silence obviously wouldn't work for the side because then other side might be like well they're over there you know with living with emotion and doing hunky dory so they were hunted down and in many cases people sort of try to forget any sort of side heritage but as is discussed in talon's book and comes up in this book even if both your parents aren't side um even if you've just got quarter you know the way genes work you might have kids who need biofeedback to live it might not mean like they might literally need a literally 0.4 percent biofeedback but without it they'll die you are going to have kids that are going to have the kind of abilities that the psi have always had but if these kids believe that they're fully human or they're fully changeling then everyone will just sort of think that they're crazy and so dev rosh being the director and sort of leader of the shine foundation has been like it is our job our duty to be there for when these children um come to us or when we find them because they're going to need that level of help so now we're book seven this is his book um and dev rush as a character when he shows up in tally's book um tally and clay i was like oh cool he seems all right you know like he seems kind of cool um, and then you really sort of get to know him, obviously, in his own book. And I was just like, ah, ah, oh my god, ah, 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 ah. Um, it's a, it's, it's a lot. Um, so it, this is also a pairing that we haven't seen, right? Just like, uh, book six with Mercy and Riley, where it was two changelings, which is, was not something we had seen up until that point. This is a descendant of Psy people, but obviously having grown up outside of the Psy network, outside of the Psy structure, and a Psy who grew up in that network, who grew up in that structure, and these two people meeting, and then everything that they have to go through um, to sort of get to their um, happy sort of ending. Um, And it is... I also think this book also... um, shows the reader a very pivotal moment um that it uh it clearly this moment is going to sort of be that I don't want to say tipping point but it's like you know when everyone has sort of like rumor but you aren't sure and then all of a sudden it's like here's a clear-cut case that these rumors that we thought might be unfounded or might be a little too out there are not they're actually right on point and something is really 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 wrong and what are the steps that are going to be that are going to need to be taken to help everybody and protect everybody and as often as I'm reading as whenever I'm reading romance I'm in some ways always sort of thinking of obviously the world I live in and um no matter where you live uh and are listening to me from i'm sure you've heard of you know the coronavirus covid19 um and it there is so much there are so many rumors and so much misinformation and and so little tangible it, it feels like there just isn't enough sort of facts and so people are going to sort of streams people are panicking people are you know i mean you can't find uh hand sanitizer anywhere to you know like 
it's it's like when you find it it's like you found gold uh people are starting to react like as if they expect this to be a on the level of the you know the plague it might be i we don't know obviously and um those who are in power the powers that be those who have considerable influence are so busy infighting that there aren't necessarily enough clear messages of what you should and shouldn't do i mean the one thing that has been really clear wash your hands uh the other thing that's been made really clear a lot of people don't wash their hands apparently which is (laughs) terrifying uh there i saw a tweet some girl was like come on people how many of you actually really wash your hands after you go to the bathroom in your own house you're not going anywhere and apparently 39 percent uh voted no with like 60 something percent voting yes and she was like i don't even believe the 39 like i think that's too low a number and i was just like so y'all are really out here going to the bathroom in your house and not washing your hands after like what oh god um you know maybe uh yeah what so as i was reading this book i thought to myself wow like i i see this you know this influence not influence wrong word um i can see the parallels that's it of like yeah you know bad things are happening but those who are in power are like "Mm, we don't want to like you know panic the people so we just won't like talk about it and then there are those people who are you know who are willing to bear witness to what is going on and are like no something is wrong we need to show the people that something is going on so this is a really because the incidents is i feel like what ends up happening in this book is really um going to play out over the next few books and is really sort of the big sort of central theme of like this first the first whatever you know all of the books up until you know Nalini changes it to say that it's side changeling trinity um it's like this information that everyone has sort of tried to keep quiet is now is going is coming out and it's going to have to come out because there is it's it there is no way to keep what is you know tamped down and hidden tamped down and hidden forever so i like i said i've read, I've reread this many many times i love this book uh i always feel a sort of emotional hangover when i'm done and yet i will you know it is one of the it is one and i reread this book even when i'm not rereading the series like i'll just randomly be like Oh, I want to read Dev and Katya's story again. And I, again, I know how it ends. I know that they get a happy ending. But the emotional gut punch I get from this book happens every single time. Um, and I'm going to try and talk about some of that um, after our uh, small break. Okay? See you in a few. All right, guys. I'm back. I didn't go very far. Anyway, um, so Blaze of Memory, but there's, in case you're like, oh, Blaze of Memory, but what? Spoilers. I'm going to spoil it. I'm going to spoil it to Helen back. It, just listen. Listen to my analysis, okay? Um, this book, ooh, this book, guys, um, like I've said already many times, I cry. I cry a lot. And as I was rereading this time, I was like, okay, let's let's try and pinpoint why. Um, because it isn't to say that the, in previous books there haven't been traumatic incidences, there hasn't been, you know, moments that are just, oh my God, so emotional and so sad and so filled with trauma. No, you know, it's not like every other couple up until this point has just had like this magical, glorious, wonderful life where nothing ever goes wrong. They meet their significant other and then they fall in love and everything is perfect. And No, of course not. And yet, this pairing and their story and certain key moments, which are, and I want, it gets really sort of, sort of difficult and ugly 
in the last portion, in the last, I want to say, third of the book. So I also wonder if it's just like, it's like one after another after another. That also just gets you like, like you have no moment, I think, as a reader to go from an emotional low back up to something even keel. It just, it's almost like you just keep falling and falling and falling and falling. You're just like, why is, why is she doing to me? It's beautiful. So you're like, whoa. So um, as I'd mentioned earlier, Katya, uh, Katya Haas is a Psy. She was a Katarina, but she is now Katya. You're like, how did that happen? When Ashaya worked in the implant lab, she had sort of her right-hand woman. Um, and if you recall that character, uh, that character's name was Katarina. This is this, the same woman. Except after Ming Laban, uh, or is it Leblon? I think it's Leblon. Uh, blew up the facility to send a message to um, Ashaya. He didn't obviously kill everybody. He kept Ekaterina alive and then tortured her for months and months and months. And it is awful. Um, Devrash Santos, member of the first member and leader of the forgotten is a man who is alone and is fully focused on keeping his people safe and doing everything he can to prevent the council from obliterating them um which is something the council has always wanted to do to the forgotten because these are the people who made these are the side who made the decision to not become silent. They chose to drop out out of the side net, create their own network, which is called the Shadow Net, and live, continue to live their lives with emotion. And so obviously that is something that the council does not want or is okay with because again, it it Psy living outside of the Psy net structure, outside of council rule and thriving can then be seen as an example of what you could have if you just, you know, obviously rebelled and said fuck you to the Psy and the council. Of And the council's like, but we want ultimate power. So like, why don't we do? Kill the alternative. Crush the alternative. Destroy the alternative. So that our people know that there is no alternative because if they try they die so in this book katya is left um by at devrosh's doorstep it, it literally he goes in comes out 15 minutes later and her she's unconscious at his door he brings her in because it this is something that Nalini is trying to make clear to us. The council are the kind of power structure that will just murder all things unknown and just be like, mm, time to die. And it's like, okay, the forgotten obviously are, are on guard, but they don't just kill people because, oh, look, a sigh on our doorstep. It's like, well, like, why is she here? What's going on? Do we need to help her? Is she, like, what is going on? And until we have the facts, we're not just going to murder people. So this book, okay, if you were like, if you read romances where the, your two main characters uh, have such a crazy power imbalance, right? One is essentially keeping the other captive, right? Because in this case, Devraj is like, I don't know who or what you are and what exactly you might be, might have been sent to do to shine so i can't just let you run free um and katya's kind of like okay but like can i go and he's like mm, nah she's like but i need to go and he's like but nah that can be a really hard romance to read and i think that there are authors out there that can do a really good job so that you understand both characters viewpoints and then there are authors that suck and you're just like bitch the fuck am i reading I think that Nalini does a really, really good job of 
making sure that the reader understands why Devraj is keeping Katya from freedom, why Katya wants freedom, and then why that is such a big part of their relationship. Now, these two people do end up falling for each other. It's like, well, hmm, why? I mean, proximity, forced proximity is one of them. They have to be, he doesn't trust anybody else to A, be able to take her out or watch over her. So he's like, ah, you're not going nowhere without me and vice versa. And there are, and even though Lofton, he's like, she's just here as a plant from the council. She's just, uh, you know, something the council has built. Something, someone the council has built broken down to their absolute lowest form and then built them back up as a weapon against me he is also aware that this woman has suffered unimaginable things and has survived and that is like your will must be incredible to have survived the things that you have survived especially since Ming is oof I mean he is a villain like like I, I at no point throughout this entire series have I ever been like oh poor Ming I'm like when is this motherfucker gonna die can he be tortured before he dies who gonna torture him cut off his toes then cut off his fingers then like slowly pull out va- l- listen I could get real ugly, but I won't. So at no point have I ever been like, oh, poor Ming. I'm like, motherfucker, I hate you. And you need to die. Um, now, this book has, obviously, the main couple and what's happening with them. But there is there are two other things that I think Nalini does really, really interestingly. Um, Devraj is the great, 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 I believe, grandson of to Sai, who defected from the Sinai on his father's side, uh, the Petrokovs, I believe. And so what Delaney gives us, along with the story, are the Petrokov family archives. These are letters that uh, what would, what will, would have been, or what was Devraj's great-great-great-grandmother, um, These are letters that she's writing to her son, who would be his great-great-grandfather. I believe that's correct. And the letter, the first letter we get to read is dated 1969, which is 10 years before silence becomes implemented. And the letters continue um, until, what is the last letter? I believe the very last letter is after, nope, sorry guys, I'm like, no the last letter is dated 1995 which means if silence is implemented in 79 it's a little less than 20 years after silence is implemented maybe 15 16 something like that um and that's the last letter that we get to read in that letter um not in that letter in all of the letters these are now, they become firsthand accounts at the past that led to the implementation of silence that has now led to what our characters in present day, which is end of, um, I believe this book starts either at right at the tail end of 2080 or at the beginning of 2081. Um, so we're seeing a glimpse into the things that were going on in the society that it ended up with silence becoming you know the protocol and we're also then seeing present day and a descendant of someone who was writing these letters the other thing that she does is um we find out in this book that there have been incidences before in previous books that there are weird things happening in the sign in the net in the net in in the sign net right we know that the net mind and the dark mind are 
um, the neo-sentient um, beings within the neural network that have split, one essentially being the good and the light that is present and the other being the dark and all of the negative and sort of evil emotions um so we've we've learned that so far um but something else is going on and there has been brief mentions of it um and there is a moment in this book where Caleb shows Nikita these are two counselors um a section of the net that has essentially rotted it is just dark and nothing and it isn't like rotted and like nothing can grow, but it is a, it, this is clearly sort of a dead space. And what does that mean? Um, because everything that's in the net at some point, um, they mentioned it's like being in the net is like being in the sea. Like if there's stuff polluting the sea and you're in the sea, it's obviously going to brush by you, touch you, coat you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's mentioned, there's been mentions that something, you know, as Psy have started to have higher incidences of pl- public sort of uh, break breaks, it's been sort of hinted like, oh, well, maybe someone is pr- pushing people to break um, in sort of a psychotic fashion in public so that we can convince everyone to like, you know, really focus on silence. But is that everything? And then we realize in... Um, we realize in the book that no it isn't it is not just that someone is potentially you know creating um a sort of violent creating it sort of violent actions to then convince the people that you know silence was always the right choice anyway and if if you for a second thought that 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 wasn't the right choice you're crazy because what we also get are it's called Earth 2 Command Log Sunshine Station. And the first... So essentially, it's like... she. It's like the chapter ends, and then there's this ch- little, like, blurb. Um, and it's... Like, if you read the log of, like, some workplace or whatever. that, And the very first one we see is uh, 21 February 2080. So February 21st, 2080. Um, and I'm actually going to read it out loud to you guys. Okay, it goes, the new staff rotation arrived at 0900 hours. All personnel are in good physical and mental condition. Work will begin in one day's time after the team members have had time to acclimate to the conditions. Counselor Ming Lebon has requested a report on the continued viability of the site to be delivered at the end of this rotation. According to current calculations, the site should yield valuable compounds for the foreseeable future, but all data will be confirmed prior to the completion of the report. This is the first log that we see. It's in chapter five. This won't be the last one. And this is really an important detail for many reasons one of them is when katya is being held captive by ming um because ming does not consider her to be a viable opponent of any kind he considers her basically a pathetic side caught up in his trap he does talk about things that have nothing to do with her in front of her because it's like uh, she's not gonna know or remember her she's too dumb and when she does end up with dev she out starts to realize that she has this compulsion to go north um and for part of the book for a lot of the book it's like is this compulsion something real like does she know that there's something north she has to see or has her mind snapped to such a point that she's crazy and her mind just wants her to go north and then she gets there and there's absolutely nothing there and so she can't even trust her instincts um and sunshine is it just you know oh the word for sunshine it is a place and that command earth to um command at sunshine station something horrific happens there um essentially the same sort of dead rot that caleb and um nikita had noticed in a section of the net because they are, this command post is in Alaska, is an isolated area. Essentially, all of the side that are there are physically 
are also cyclically sort of in that area and essentially there's sort of a mass break mass in break of insanity like everyone is kind of goes crazy almost at the same time and there as you read the book there are different command po- command logs that at first it's like oh a headache or oh people got lost or clearly things that are affecting everyone on a sort of mental level but because no one at this point is thinking that there's anything wrong with the side net that's not even considered as a as a possibility a reason it's all just like there might be outside factors and once uh katya and dev finally do get there and sort of bear witness to what has happened at sunshine the reality is that you know a bunch of people it it was a command station of 150 people um katya does eventually remember what she overheard ming talking with his subordinate out of 150 120 one die 20 something go crazy and so it it becomes clear something is really wrong because yes there are incidences of you know serial killers in the psi race it's been explained that anchors who are sort of anchored into the neural network have a you know um are predisposed to becoming serial killers but being a serial killer is different than a bunch of people losing their mind at the same time and losing it in a violent fashion murdering each other and their co-workers right so this book has katya and deb's story which has very sort of traumatic elements for both we have what's happening with at the command post in the you know sunshine command sunshine station and then we have you know we're hearing about the past and the the decisions that were made the choices that were made um by the people who became the forgotten and i think not i think um dev's story so dev lost his mother um when he was nine she was murdered by his own father and he was present for um what happened his father who from what i can grasp in the book is fully psi had basically a psychotic break and choked his wife to death and he has essentially always felt like he couldn't because he failed his mother because he was nine and couldn't get his father off of her um he has sort of an affinity for damaged broken battered women and of course when katya first comes into his life that is exactly what she is um broken battered um katya you know grew up in the side net grew up actually or grew up side grew up with both parents because they had a joint custody agreement um and then when she became an adult she had to choose because you can't have divided loyalties chose her father's side because she was a scientist he was family scientist etc 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 so she doesn't have sort of childhood trauma to speak of but then she is you know captured by ming and ming tortures her and takes absolutely everything from her right because something that i think is really interesting for the side if someone can get in your mind there's nowhere for you to go to feel safe right it for regular humans for changelings if you are captured and no one can get into your mind you can create sort of a safe space within your mind that you can at least even as things are being done to you as you are being physically tortured you can still sort of mentally go into a space where you're like i am here and i will make it through this and i will come out on the other side myself but if someone is literally in your mind in every corner of your mind what does that do for your sense of self she's also um part of the torture that she goes through is sensory deprivation but not not like a sensory deprivation for like a for to the point that she couldn't 
hear her own screams, feel her own skin. That has to, I can't imagine it. Um, and I don't want to. So we've got these two characters. They've got some, some trauma with a capital T. Um, and they meet in a situation where as much as Dev understands what has been done to Katya and how horrible it is, he also, as the director of Shine, as the person responsible for thousands of lives, can't just let her be free because he doesn't know what she's been programmed to do. And it is... It's it's hard for me to read, not because I'm like, oh, it's just hard because I... I see both of their viewpoints and I think that Lini does a really good job of you feel for both of these characters. You feel for Katya who's like, I need to be free and I need to figure out what has been done and wh- how I can, you know, I don't even think it's make amends, but how I can just sort of get to a place where I, you know, I'm not so angry at what was done to me. And then you've got Dev who's like, I want so badly to help but I can't because my responsibility is to these people and there is a moment in the book where I think Dev is like that line where the forgotten mattered more to me than you there that that moment does come where he's like ah sorry guys um don't, I'm still gonna be fighting but Katya means something um the other thing that I think is fascinating in this one is, so the Forgotten dropped out, right? Because they didn't want to cut out emotion. But these are still Psy people with Psy powers. So if the Psy before Silence were going insane and, you know, killing their loved ones, that wouldn't necessarily have stopped just because they all dropped out of the Psy net and dropped into, you know, created a new network called the Shadow Net. And Dev has a cousin jack who has a son who has an ability um where he is able uh unfortunately to kill without having um touched anyone um and if you've read judd and brenna's book will the little boy's name has the same ability as judd Right, they are TK cells, meaning these are telekinetics who can move things at the cellular level. So, if we're thinking bad things, you can create heart attacks because you can just move some cells around and it'll look like something natural. Right, you can create aneurysms, you can be, and you don't have to be touching the individual to do this. So that's a level of um, assassin. Like, ooh, girl. Oof, bad people would love you. Ooh, I just kill my opponents by using you. Which is one of the reasons why Judd was an arrow. Now, because this ability is so destructive. If you don't have any training, you're going to accidentally kill and you're going to accidentally kill those who are closest to you. And in the book, Will has there are two incidences that are pretty big. One, a bunch of birds die. So it's possible he was having a nightmare about birds and didn't want them to hurt him or something. And he ends up causing, you know, his father it it's mentioned the father's kind of like I thought that I was going to go outside and come back and be like everything's fine and he went outside and found like dead birds all over his lawn that he had to bury second incident the little boy kills the family pet a dog and after they've buried the dog he un the father unburies him and does an autopsy because of course he went to medical school and all this jazz And the dog's heart looks like it's been pulverized, which, again, not natural. So, what this book also shows the reader, the reason why the Psy chose silence as cruel and awful 
as it seems as it is, was to prevent what is happening to Will. What is possibly happening to other members of the Forgotten. And the first sign of how things can be done now without going to the extreme of silence, Judd shows up overnight and starts to train Will. And, you know, it turns into this whole, y'all need to move to San Francisco so that he doesn't have to be traipsing so far because I think they live in New York um, because that's where the Shine Foundation is located. And we will try, he will train him. And I remember the, maybe the first or second time I reread the whole series up until whatever point I was like, yeah, before silence, there was no concept of training anybody with any abilities of any kind. It was just kind of like, you have your ability and I hope you, you know, don't go cray cray and kill people. With the implementation of silence and all of the, you know, the the controls, the dissonance, all of that, there's a level of training that's involved to make sure that these individuals don't just fly off the handle and kill everybody. So is it possible to still train people without removing emotion? And that's what we're going to start to see, right? Because Judd's going to train Will and they're not going to be like, okay, now we're just removing all emotion none of that it's going to be like and i think maybe that's also possibly what happened pre-silence they didn't understand their abilities and what how to you know get back away from the moment where you go over the edge and murder those around you after silence obviously because before silence the idea was like it's emotion is what makes you go cuckoo and then you kill everybody after silence uh during now this tail end of silence we're starting to realize it's not that emotion makes you go cuckoo so you don't have the controls you don't have the knowledge you don't have the training to stop yourself from going cuckoo and maybe now we can show you um and so so then you're like okay um but like why do you cry so much Esther or maybe you weren't asking that question but I'm about to tell you um, the things that Ming did to Katya, um, are horrific. And on, on top of all of the sensory deprivation, he basically imprisons her in her own mind so that she is, her mind is still jacked to the side net because she needs the biofeedback or she'd immediately die, but she cannot go to it. And the prison itself is not only anchored in her mind, but is created of her mind, essentially. Um, and it is so deep. Um, it's ta- It's described as talons that are dug in so far deep that to rip them out would be to compromise certain parts of her brain. And she does eventually remember, um, because she has amnesia when she first meets Dev, which is why she doesn't remember her name and over time, she starts to remember things. And sometimes the memory comes on really quickly. And at one point, he's kind of like, you're lying to me. And she's like, I'm not. It's just, I, I, I don't know when I'm going to remember what I remember. But what she does end up remembering is a final conversation that essentially Ming has given her a window of time. If she is able to carry out her objective, which is to learn as much as she can about the Forgotten and Kill Dev, Um, and she makes it back to Ming in time, he might be able to remove what he's put in because then she'd make a great assassin because she's already listed as dead. So no one's ever going to obviously think it's her. But he mentions that if she takes too long, she's going to lose, you know, um, parts of her brain will start to die. And she's like, well, and he's like, oh, like if you come back in time, it'll just be non-essential parts. But if you take too long, then like it'll be essential things eventually, you know, like motor function and like (laughs) you won't be able to breathe. And she's like, oh, but of course she, you know, has been kidnapped, tortured for months. So she's kind of like, okay. So Dev and Katya have realized that they, you know, are for each other. 
But on the heels of that realization is that something is clearly wrong with Katya. And at first it seems like, well, if they just get Ming to remove, you know, the things that he's done from her mind, from her brain, that she'll be able to sort of live her life and they can be together. But Katya realizes that because the prison is her own mind and not something that has been implemented um the mind eventually wanting to be free is going to sort of bang and bang and bang and bang against um the wall trying to get out and so i'm trying to think where what chapter is it I mean, in chapter 41, I think that's when he's kind of like, he says, you're mine, he said in a quiet, implacable voice, now and forever. Her entire body trembled with the force of that vow. I will let nothing and no one take you from me. Gold-flecked eyes that pierced her very heart. Do you understand? And... At this point, they're both, there's this, you know, potential hope, like, oh, maybe we can make this work. But Katya's starting to realize that it has been too long, and her essential parts of her brain have started to become compromised, and she isn't going to be able to escape. Um, And she mentions that once you're in a prison after a while, um your mind wants to escape and it will do what it tries and she realizes that she doesn't need just the biofeedback alone if she isn't able to be in the neural network that is is essentially starving her mind of that sort of feedback um and that that isolation will drive her mad which is the same thing as you know killing her so there is, you know, they definitely try to get Ming to change things. And there's a showdown with him. And she does shoot him. I'm so glad that she shoots him. He doesn't die, sad face. Um, but she does shoot him. But she realizes that um, there is no, there is no sort of out for her. This is... Um, sort of the end and there's another thing that he says that i and i anyway um he this is dev thinking for the second time in his life he was watching a woman who was everything to him slip from his fingers and he could do nothing to stop it the agony of it ripped through him until he half expected to see his own blood stain the sheets again this is a man who saw his mother be murdered in front of him and could not do anything to stop it Um, and so for him, it's like, he doesn't want to be helpless, but the situation is such that he essentially is because there isn't anything that they can do short of to stop what has essentially been put in place. So, I think, I'm like, oh, so what ends up happening is, in essence, Katya gets to a point where she isn't fully gone yet, but she's losing her fine motor functions, she's losing her balance, she can't really see, and she asks him to let her go, and it is it is so so for me it it just is like so sad like so so utterly sad um oh wait and before she's like you need to let me go she asked him to go visit his father because his father you know was arrested by the police and then put in an institution and he doesn't go see his father because he can't forgive him so they go and she asks about um 
the mother. But what we also then learn, and I, and again, I think this is why it it is so emotional, is that we Nalini sort of throws these heavy darts filled with pain, trauma, sadness, one after the other. There is, it's like you don't have a moment to catch your breath. And sometimes real life is like that. You don't have the time and the space to go from one, you know, trauma to, you know, heal and then get to another one. Sometimes it's like one after the other, after the other, after the other. What we find out when they go to see Dev's father, Dev's father was kind of like a stay-at-home dad. So they did everything together, right? Dev's mom would go to work and the two of them would hang out and they were the best of friends and the mother called them the two musketeers. So not only did Dev see his own father kill his mother, but it's like because of the amount of time they had to they were spending together he would have been closer to his father and to know and to have seen what he saw and so there there comes a moment where dev says um you weren't you he said his voice raw with emotion not that day he didn't seem to be able to get out any more words but they weren't needed massey's face filled with such joy that it hurt katya to look at it my boy he said my sarita's precious devraj one of his hands left hers to close over Deb's. They sat that way for a while until Massey Petrokov could no longer hold on to his sanity. And I mean, I can't imagine what that must feel like, what that must be like to know that you had a break like that and killed this person that you love so much in the process lost your son um and for your son to see that and have to grow up and live with that and then the son grows up and falls in love with a woman who is going who is dying essentially as they've met so when she asks him to let her go he says okay and He tells her he'll never forgive her. And she goes, I know. Um, And so she goes into her mind and finds the... um, uh, What is it called? The... Her link to the sign. Which it's mentioned that it... As opposed to it being sort of a vibrant column of energy. It's like pitted and dull and sluggish because she's essentially dying and the pain is so intense that at some point dev is like let me take it and now if you've read the other books right when you have partners that are changeling there's been always talk of a mating bond and a bond snapping into place but because we haven't seen sigh sigh relationships up until this point we've seen side changeling we've seen changeling changeling we've seen changeling human but we haven't seen two sides there hasn't been any talk of is there any sort of bond that snaps into place between two sides because side have not had these kinds of relationships but some sort of bond does snap into place so he's able to take on her pain and she's not dead but she's very like she's essentially very close to it and this whole section i read is just you know me sobbing and it's horrible i'm just like i don't like this this is terrible and he knows that he has to let her go because he can't just keep her body alive for his sake a it's not the woman it's not what she would want b it's not the woman he fell in love with anyway it's just the body so he's kind of like i'm going to have to let her go and then something that none, I don't ever remember thinking this um, would happen. Now that I've reread it as many times as I have, I'm like, oh, there was sort of mention of this, not mention of this possibility, but I see why that earlier scene happened because then it explains this scene. There's an earlier scene where Noor, Noor is what the little girl that was in the implant lab 
with John. Um, and those are the two kids that Ashaya gets out so that the um, Dark Hunter can owe her a favor so that they can get her son Keenan out. You're like, what? So, John, Nor, in the lab. And Nor doesn't ever, I think, get, you know, physically tortured because John ends up doing... Because every time the doctor's like, well, if you don't... You know, the creepy one that's dead. If you don't do this, I'm going to, you know, work on this little girl. And, of course, John's like, okay, I'm a teenager. Fine, I can, you know, I'll scream. It's fine. Not it's fine, but it... So they get they get saved by Dark, by Dark Hunter, Clay, and... um and Dorian get them out with Talon um, because Talon was searching for John. Then they save Keenan, Ashaya's son. So Noor at one point goes up to Judd, who is the arrow, who's a TK cell, and gives him a gift. And he's like, "What's this for?" She's like, "Because we're the same." And he's like, "Girl, what? No, we're not. Like, I'm a, I was an assassin, and you're like a sweet little girl." And she's like, mm, "We're the same." And he's like, "Okay, this child's, you know." confused but it's fine i don't mind when because katya isn't immediately dead because she does the bond kicks into place with her and dev um he does send um he does contact ashaya and ashaya and dorian do come sort of essentially to say goodbye and they bring nor and keenan with them because keenan and nor are like bound at the hip and they run into Katya's room and are laughing around her room and Dev is kind of like she would love that and then they get on the bed and I guess sort of fall asleep next to her and everyone's like oh and he's like it's fine like let them sleep she would have loved that but then he realizes something hours later that the bond that he can see in the shadow net between her and him has gotten stronger. Because when it first shows, it's very, very, very faint. And he realizes that both children have their hands on Katya's bare skin. And he, by morning, he knows that something has changed and he doesn't think she's dying. What we end up realizing is that, so Noor, right, is one of the, uh, you know, forgotten children in terms of, like, she isn't a side child. She is a, a child that has to have some sort of, obviously, side link because of genetics, but she isn't. Um, and Dev mentions that, like, they tested her and she did show a lot of side parent, like, side recessive genes, but she didn't seem to show any sort of power that they knew of. Now, what we realize is because TK cells are such a tiny, tiny group, they're very rarely talked about. A lot of them don't make it apparently to adulthood. Judd is one of the few. So if there was a TK cell that dropped out, it, that information probably got lost. Keenan, right, is full sci, which because his mother sci and we're not sure who his father is because Amara did some crazy shit. So what ends up happening is that essentially Noor and Keenan work in tandem and Noor says something like, oh, Keenan's her truck, right? As in he can um, sort of lead her where she needs to go and then lead her out um, because she says that she had to do a lot of weaving. So essentially what is realized at this moment is that these two have an ability that works in tandem and there's talk of like Kanan's a son of twins so maybe he's predisposed to being able to work well with another mind um the that kind of work would need a twin bond to be sort of functioning and flourishing and of course you wouldn't see that in the side net as it is today because hello emotion bad all that jazz and Clearly, on some level, she's some sort of TK cell. Maybe not to the same degree. Maybe there is sort of a sub-designation under that. Maybe she's not similar to Will and to um, Judd in that it's fully offensive 
because theirs seems to be more on the offensive side and hers doesn't. But there is definitely some relation there. And so and so we get the happy ending, right? So it's not like, you know, Katya then, you know, wakes up and is like, wait, hold up, what's happening here? Um, and they have like a psychic bond, which I think is like they can hear each other te- telepathy. Um, and she's jacked into the shadow net, which at the beginning of the book is sort of taught about, like we the pure blood side can't be part of the shadow net, but what everyone sort of forgot is like they can if there is an emotional bond that pulls them in. It's if there isn't an emotional bond that it's like, eh, no, that's not gonna work. But if there is emotion, because that is what the shadow net is sort of all about. It is about emotion. So um this book guys this book i love this book and i think that nalini singh does a really really incredible job of showing us how two people who have so much conflict between them can still sort of get that happy ending um and at the same time giving us first-hand account of the history um giving us showing us the reasons why there were Sai who chose not to stay in the signet because the last letter that we get from the Petrokov family archives is in 1995 and um the son of the woman writing the letters writes that she just watched him you know pledge to honor and cherish his wife so we know that that man has gotten married this would be dev's great grandfather um and it is fascinating to sort of see that in the juxtaposition you know us alongside what is happening in current day where it's been a hundred years of silence and so it might be easy to be like well you know what were the side before silence like do we know can we ever know and it this is clearly showing us like yes this is what they were like before um and i just think the book is really well done and it bring it talks about a lot of things that i just ah uh, loved it so much um think this is where i'm gonna end for this week i don't know i mean like i said i tend to have sort of an emotional hangover every time i read this book um i think it's it's got a lot going on um and the lit it's it's got a lot of conflict right it's not like some books where you're like oh my god they just made up conflict for for the sake of conflict like no you know katya wants to be free dev wants to protect her and protect shine at the same time and those two things don't always match up um he might have to end her life which he doesn't um there's the themes of like freedom versus captivity silence versus emotion and just seeing how the same problems that led to silence being implemented are showing up in the forgotten population and what can be learned from both the good and the bad things that have come out of silence um which i'm i'm really glad that like he wasn't like well uh you know we can't there's nothing we can do but is willing dev is willing to be like if if we have to go have to allow for some of our people to go silent and that is something we will consider but on a case-by-case basis um yeah it's a very good book i really really love it um you need to read it then you need to tell me what you thought please reach out um and let me know why you love this book why you don't love this book why you like some of these characters why you hate everybody um i would love to know um i'm very this one is it it's it's it has a special place in my heart um and yeah next week i'm pretty sure i'm gonna do the next book which ooh, girls what is the next book Ooh, bonds of justice 
I'm pretty sure I'm doing Bonds of Justice. If I'm not doing Bonds of Justice, well, I'll be doing something else. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, been really great talking to you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you want to rate or review, I would love that so much. I, you know, I would also like feedback, guys. I would like to not be in isolation. Like the characters, yes, yes. Um, watch your hands. Sing the happy birthday song twice while you're washing your hands. Oh my god, Lucy Eden did a cute little like song um, to teach her kids how to like wash their hands for the appropriate amount of time. I, I'll try to link the Instagram posts in the show notes. What else? Yeah, wash your hands. Cough into your elbow. Take your vitamins. Be kind to yourselves and each other um yeah stay safe and i will talk to you guys next week okay bye